We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Chase Down Podcast presents A City of Champions, a seven-part series chronicling the Cavs' 2016 NBA championship. With help from fans who cheered against us, reporters who covered it, and the players who watched it, we'll take you game by game through the most improbable 3-1 comeback in championship history. Be sure to subscribe to the Chase Down Podcast to relive the greatest series we've seen in our lifetimes. One dribble steps back, puts up a three, won't go, rebound tip taken by Spades, final seconds, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. The series begins Thursday, April 9th. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and brought to you today by betonline.ag. I'm your host, Jacob, and today I have the one, the only, Taylor along with me. Taylor, how's it going? Doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. It was a nice day outside today. Yeah, I spent a lot was. of time outside. Uh, good. Just got done making some dinner, so hasn't been too bad, man. Good. Yeah, starting no, I, uh, to uh, I feel ya. starting to kind of adjust to the quarantine life, you know. I it, we actually I was talking to, uh, about this with some coworkers, obviously via video conference call. <laughs> um, but we were talking about that too. Like it's kind of starting to feel like the new normal to an extent, you know. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I cannot wait to get back too normal and be back in the office and go to the gym and go to basketball games etc but um it is kind of starting to feel a little more normal than it did here you know a week two weeks ago definitely well speaking of going to basketball games uh some some optimism in the nba world uh after dr anthony fauci went public i don't remember who exactly he talked to talking I don't about either, but how, i saw this i, I know how, what you're talking how about. 
Yeah, sports. He believes sports can come back relatively soon, obviously without fans and attendance. He talked about needing players to all be kind of quarantined and, and staying in the hotel and and going to the arena and uh, kind of in their own little bubble. Um, and, and according to Sam Amick, there is a growing optimism between both the NBA front office and the Players Association that we are going to get an end to the NBA season, that we will return to play, play some regular season games, and get some playoffs going here. Uh, And that all leads me to plugging friend of the podcast and really awesome and intelligent guy, Keith Smith, who wrote an awesome piece for Yahoo today about how Walt Disney World down in Orlando is the perfect place for the NBA to finish their season. Private property, over 30 square miles of private land, multiple hotels for teams to stay in, multiple places for games to be played, broadcast booths already set up. Uh, that just, just it's, it's its own little bubble. It's, it's Disney World, right? It's its own little country right. that you can control everything. And it seems like we may have a path forward back to basketball, Taylor. I loved uh, – well, I guess, first of all, I'll touch on Keith's piece. I, I really loved what he had to say. And I think it's – it's you have to take into consideration as well um, that Keith actually worked for Walt Disney World down well, – oh, sorry, for the Disney Company uh, for 20-plus years. And the majority of those, he said, he spent with Walt Disney World itself. So um, he obviously has extensive knowledge uh, on Disney and Walt Disney World. Uh, that combined with his great knowledge of basketball – it really does make a lot of sense, and he, he did a great job laying it all out. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, he, he, there's been a lot of people. He's gotten a, a, a lot of uh, props and a lot of people giving him credit uh, for his article today, and it kind of made me think um, that, well, gosh, I'm going blank now. What was the all-star ending? What's that guy's uh, name? They, this is Elam. terrible. Elam. almost said Elam. Um, but, yeah, like, what if this is Keith's Elam ending? How cool would that be? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, he made a lot of really good points in his article about why Walt Disney World would be a great place for the season to continue, how they could control everything there. Uh, just really, really fascinating, which got me to thinking, obviously there's not going to be fans in the stands, right? right. Like, we're, we're not at a point. Uh, Taylor, to be honest with you, I don't know if I'm going to attend a National Basketball Association game until somebody sticks a needle in my arm that has a, a vaccine for COVID-19. I think that's a great point. Um, not just when is it, when are we cleared to finally get to go and do those things again? There's a whole nother issue of when do, do people feel comfortable to go and do exactly. that again? Because exactly. like you said, like this is going to change how we view things, how we view human interaction for the foreseeable future. Definitely. Um, maybe forever. And so... Oh, Brody, Brody agrees. Yeah, yeah he, he's uh, tired of quarantine. Get him, Brody. <laughs> um, but so so speaking on that, if these NBA players are all in, in Walt Disney World or wherever they decide to play the end of the season at, they're all uh, together, they're all getting tested weekly, maybe we can't have fans in the stands, but why not fill the stands with the other teams, with players, coaches, um, uh, uh, officials, media people i mean we can still get people in the stands because let's say the lakers and the the suns are playing a game and it's taking place in and walt disney world the other 28 teams i mean what are they doing back at their hotel room sitting on the bed watching the game and they've already all been in be contact bored. with I each mean, it's other not like yeah it's not like they can ride rides at disney world <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know? like, so so get them all 
in in the seats in the arenas, uh, obviously there won't be a whole lot of cheering and stuff, but it'll still be a really, really interesting experience. Then I also had the idea today. I posted it on Twitter. The NBA wants to recoup some money. You put all every NBA player, coach, statistician, uh, you you get media members, you get announcers, you get the the team physicians, everybody, all in like two or three hotels in Disney World. Throw some cameras in there, film it, release it as reality TV. The Bachelor NBA edition. Oh, you remember the whole <laughs> Survivor? Clippers, maybe maybe that's yeah, a better the, comparison. The whole Clippers Houston saga where they were like trying to sneak into the yeah the, the locker room. Yeah, um, tunnels. imagine them trying to sneak into somebody's hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, imagine like two teams like beefing and talking shit at dinner down in like the main concourse. Like that, it would be cool stuff. Oh, it'd it would be, be incredible. You and I were really, talking really good stuff. You, you, you and I were talking before the podcast. Like, imagine Pat Beverly and um, who else? Like, like Rajon Rondo, they, uh, right? Yeah, getting Rondo. into it like Game Three of the Western Conference Finals. And then Beverly, like, there's a there's a camera crew following Beverly as he aggressively jogs to rondo's hotel room door and just knocks on the door, the door just <laughs> cussing him Open out. Up! oh my god be incredible man it would be incredible and it's a great way to make up for lost income during the yeah hiatus. yeah film it all drop like a 10 episode series on nba.com that costs 20 bucks um and then or split even just the proceeds, you know. Split the proceeds amongst all the NBA teams. There you go. You I'm, know, I'm whatever. all in. That'd be fun. Oh my gosh, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. Um, all right, Taylor. Well, well, let's jump into our content for the day. So we have been thinking about other things we can talk about on this podcast in the absence of actual games. And one idea that you and I have talked about for a while that we're finally putting in place here is we have decided we are going to rank the top players in Oklahoma City Thunder history based on position. So we're going to look back throughout all the years that Oklahoma City has had professional basketball. Well, not the Hornets years. We're just looking at the Thunder. And we're going to rank the top five by position. So this week, we're starting with the centers. Next week, we'll do power forwards, small forward, shooting guard, point guard, week by week by week. Right. So today, Taylor and I are going to break down. And, and so our listeners at home uh, know Taylor and I have not discussed who's on our top five. I don't know not. what Taylor's list is. Taylor doesn't know what my list is. We did discuss criteria a little bit amongst one another, but I think it differs enough that still makes it interesting. Definitely. So we've both made our list and we're going to reveal our lists from five down to one. So we'll start with five. Taylor will give his number five and talk about it. I'll give my number five and talk about it. Then we'll go four. We'll both do number four, three, so on and so forth. But Taylor, before we get underway with this, I wanted both of us to take just a moment to explain to our listeners what our criteria was, what our determinations were, how we we made these decisions to rank these players, how we did. So real quick, Taylor, just pull back the curtain a bit and tell us what your process was to get your top five and put them in order. Yeah, so uh, you and I actually talked about this before, just to make sure we were at least going to be on a similar page, and then I wanted to make sure to change it up just a little bit. So I came up with uh, five, I guess, categories 
took the average of those categories and then ranked them accordingly. And those are my top five centers. So my first uh, stat, or I guess my first um, category is counting stats, uh, which you and I talked about and discussed and felt that that was probably a, a, a must have a, um, you know, obviously that that's a pretty mandatory, I think, uh, category to have when you're evaluating, evaluating players, advanced Definitely. stats. So, so, so what goes into counting stats? What, what are what's under that umbrella? Well, you have points per game, you have rebounds per game, you have assists per game. You also, I also looked at uh, per 36 and per 100 uh, stats, uh, per 100 minutes, and found some interesting comparisons between players, and that kind of helped me rank them uh, instead of just looking at the, you know, like I said, points per game, assists per game, rebounds per game. But then you have uh, stats like true shooting percentage, uh, field goal, I guess field goal efficiency is advanced, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Um, and then, I mean, those are really the, the main ones I use. Yeah. I, I Actually, I also looked for some of these players, and this is by, because it's like, for example, let's just pick a random center. Um, Tyler Davis played, what, like one-ish season with OKC, yeah. and not including the blue, compared spoiler to... Spoiler alert, Tyler Davis didn't make my five. Exactly, yeah, yeah. No, m- mine neither. I was just trying to not spoil anything, and so I went with a, uh, a wild card name. Compared to a guy like uh, Nick Collison, who probably didn't make both the bars because we are considering him a center. Um, obviously, the point totals are going to be very different for those two careers. So that's not always a good comparison amongst players. But I did use that as well in some cases uh, for counting stats uh, nice. to, to compare, like which I guess I'll get into. But so anyways, uh, my first category was counting stats and then advanced stats, which is uh, pretty obvious as well. I looked at um, VORP and wind, wind shares percentage, um, field goal efficiency, like I mentioned. Um, I also looked at offensive and defensive ratings um, to a certain extent. You know, you can't trust those all the time, but I thought that was uh, important at least to look up. And then my third category, and this kind of goes along with one of yours, which I don't want to spoil, um, but I went with defensive impact. And there's not a whole lot of great defensive stats. There's not a, a whole lot of, there's not a ton of great ways. Defense to, is hard to quantify exactly, a lot. Exactly. There's not a whole lot of counting stats for defense. Uh, it's not black and white. It's a very gray area, but um, just based off of, I think I test is a, is a huge part of this, but also there are some defensive stats like defensive rating was one of those. I looked at defensive rebounds. I looked at blocks and then also just, you know, following the thunder, like all of us have um, for as long as we have, we obviously know that that player's defensive impact on the court while they're on the court and what they're able to do for others. Um, and so I went with defensive impact for my third category. I went with culture and locker room um, for my fourth category, which is another one that you and I kind of discussed and thought was really important. And then my fifth category, which is kind of a fun one, I went with fan favorite ranking. And oh, so, nice. But, I thought about putting that category into something really? similar to That's that. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, good. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I, obviously these are probably biased because I put this list together but and did these rankings, but I also try to take into consideration um, others, other Thunder fans outside of myself, how they would rank these players in terms of fan favorite. Definitely. Um, so, so, then, so you ranked each player in each category. Correct. And then averaged out their scores. Correct. And it literally just in a formula in excel did the averages and whoever had the lowest average was number one uh and and then, and then the up. okay yep. nice well that's how i organized mine too i had four categories uh, i ranked players in each category um some of my rankings are are quantifiable right there there's numbers to back them up some of them are uh less so 
And then I did the same thing. I just averaged out the ranking. So my, I had four categories. I did culture slash locker room. I did counting stats, which points, rebounds, assists, blocks, field goal percentage, yep. et cetera. I did advanced stats. I looked at PER, offensive PER, win shares, yep. defensive win shares, uh, uh, overall win shares, and VORP. And then I also just did eye test, what I know about these players from watching basketball for, for all these years. So, so that's kind of how I organized mine as well. Uh, and then obviously just averaged them out, spit out a number, and then ranked them based off those numbers one through five. So, Perfect. I like it. And yes, awesome. um, defensive win shares, uh, offensive win shares, and uh, player efficiency rating. I use those as well. I'm glad you mentioned okay. those. Okay, nice, nice. All right, well then maybe our list will be very similar. We'll see. But let's get it started. Taylor, number five, best center in Oklahoma City Thunder history. You have the the fifth best center in Oklahoma history, right? Yes, yes. Okay, number yeah, five. Sorry. We're not starting at the top. We're starting at the bottom, right? Number, you said number five. Number five, the best. And I was like, whoa. Um, so my number five is none other than Mr. Perk himself, Kendrick Perkins. Hey, uh, Perk was my number five as well. Ah, there we go. Yes. Okay. Good. I was honestly like when I was uh, I started out by taking the full list of centers that you put together, and I picked. My I, kind of off the top of my head, I figured I knew who the top five would be, and then w- kind of do- dove into their stats. Same. I had Perkins. Uh, so if I, that was the third had, name I typed. I was yeah, thinking he'd be like third best. I had uh, so so we looked through all, all the centers based off Basketball Reference. They played center and what a fun in list Oklahoma that was. City Thunder history, and there was like twenty two names, and so automatically I just started deleting names out of there. Right, <laughs> like Dakari Johnson, we can get rid of him. Um, Robert Swift, it's okay if we get rid of him, right? And so I trimmed it down, and then I started looking at numbers. But, yeah, I kind of had in the back of my mind who who was going to make that top five, yep. and, and it, it came to fruition. So I'm with you on that part. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, Kendrick was also my number five. Um, and the very first category that I have that he actually ranks fifth in is the counting stats. I did not realize both counting and advanced just how – miserable his stats were when he was in okc and don't get me wrong he did some inc- i mean still i love perk to death and uh, he was a huge reason for that run of success in his five seasons in oklahoma city which seems also seems crazy they played five seasons that those five seasons flew by yeah but um i'm looking at his points per or his his per game stats he had a uh, 4.2 average 4.2 points per game his five seasons in OKC. So uh, two he, baskets, one in the first half, one in the second half. Literally. <laughs> but you know what? It, it makes sense with the talent he has around him. So you would think that well yeah. then he was uh, cleaning up the boards and doing his jobs on the uh, on the <laughs> re- on the glass, yeah. 5.9 rebounds per game. Yeah. And uh 1.6 offense rebounds per game. So four of those were on the defensive end, which is fairly solid, but only like right under 6 rebounds per game. He did average 1.2 assists, which I found kind of interesting. But when you take into consideration, it might have been what he said on either Andrew Schleck's uh, Down to Dunk interview or um, on one of the, his ESPN. Um, that he basically ESPN just segments. handed it to Russ and let him go? Exactly. Yeah, that'll get you an assist. <laughs> that'll game. Get, exactly. But then you look at his shooting percentages, and it is just like, it oh, is God, awful. It's bad. 46% from the field, oh. 58% from the free throw line. Just. <laughs> Pretty, pretty awful. I'm looking at his uh, two-point attempts. Where was it at? Because that was pretty bad. So he only shot the ball 3.7 points per game. So really, his his whole, I think what he contributed during his time in OKC was much more of his presence. 
Yes, you know, what, definitely. what doesn't go seen, um, it, it doesn't show up in the stats, what goes unseen. We talk a lot about that with players like Steven and Nick Carlson. Um, but as I'm sure we'll get into later on in the podcast, they definitely contributed uh, more so uh, on the stat end than Kendrick Perkins did. So Definitely. So Perkins ranked out of the top five, Perkins ranked fifth in counting stats, fifth in advanced stats. Mine as well. And fifth in eye test for me. Okay. Four, four okay. of my five categories perk ranked at the bottom of the top five so one thing i was yes i had him fifth and advanced as well um but this is where it gets kind of interesting defensive impact and fan favorite both of those heading into this i thought perk would probably rank fairly high on um and like like i said defensive impact is a very um you know it's kind of open to interpretation how you rank those but when I'm looking at his defensive stats and I'm specifically when I'm comparing them to some of these other players we'll get into, I went from having Perk at three, you know, I, I was thinking it was like a close between three and two on defensive impact. I dropped him all the way down to four um, when I considered him at two just off the top of my head because because when I started looking into the stats, his defensive rebounds, his defensive win shares, um, his defensive rating, <laughs> they were all pretty poor, especially into, uh, when you take into consideration some of these other players and their stats. So he ranked fourth there on defensive impact, and he also ranked fourth in my fan favorite ranking, which I found interesting. Nice. I thought he'd be higher yeah. on that because people like Perk, but when I took into consider- consideration some of these other players, I think you have to have him in that fourth spot. Yeah, so when I looked at advanced stats, uh, his PER was a 7.9 in his career in OKC, uh, average PER is about 15. So well below average on player efficiency Ugh. rating. I also looked at, uh, instead of overall win shares, because on basketball reference, it's it's not an average, it's just an overall. Yep. So his his best s- season in Oklahoma City in offensive win shares, he was at a zero. <laughs> and his best season in Oklahoma City with his uh, defensive win shares was a three. Uh, for a best season total win shares of 2.5 and his VORP, which is value over replacement player. So how much more valuable yep. is he this than is a replacement awful. player on an average team? 0.1. Oh, that was okay, his so, best, his best season with the thunder. Oh, sorry. 0.1 VORP. I was going to yeah. say, I, I see his, uh, his average at negative 1.4, but yeah. Okay. Gotcha. His best yeah. season. Yeah. He so was, his yep. best season yep. ever, he was barely better than a replacement level player one thing they do have is the win shares over 48 minutes uh, to give you some sort of percentage and he he also we sound like such there. nerds dude. i know we sound like well, if you look at his win shares from look at his and his raptor rating which you know i don't have full access to cleaning the glass because is I'm raptor cheap. rating an actual thing oh yeah yeah, yeah it's, oh what the hell that's what like uh andy bailey and those guys use it's it's pretty big time this sounds like we this doesn't even sound like a basketball podcast. It sounds like we're at one of my like Dungeons and Dragons games. <laughs> well, if my strength was two rain. levels higher, and then I drank this potion of resistance, and yum yum yum. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, um, okay, Taylor. Well, we've dove into a lot of stats on Perk. Uh, one place he did rank really high for me was culture slash locker room. Just the impact he made on his team. Yep. Uh, I have him second best player center. In, in Thunder history as far as his culture uh, setting and his locker room presence. So I went ahead and put him at one. And that okay, that, was, nice. that was the one That's totally thing fair. that bumped him up. And um, I'm sure, like I said, we'll wait until we get to my number two, who I assume is your number one. But I'll tell you when we get there why I bumped Perkins above this player. Okay, nice. Well, uh, so we've talked a lot about Perk. Let's move on to 
Number four, the fourth best player, fourth, sorry, not player, fourth best center in Thunder history. Uh, Taylor, who's on, who's your list on number four after my, Perk? My fourth best is a current Thunder player, Jacob. God None, damn it, oh, we're gonna, Are we going to have the same list? We're going to have gonna the have same, same list. list. Gosh dang it. We might have to redo this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my fourth is Nerland Snow L. Same. I have Noel at four as well. So for for the record, just for anyone who, who gives a shit at home, <laughs> Um, whenever I averaged all of Perk's rate rankings in my four categories, Perk scored out at a 4.25. Ooh, that's lower uh, than I have. I had him at 3.8. Nerlens ranks out at a 4.0. Okay. See, I had Nerlens at a 3.6. Nerlens does not have he, – he did not rank last in any of my cat. Oh, sorry, he did. He ranked last in one category. He has a 5, a 3, a 4, and a 4 in my four categories. Okay. So I have Nerlens with two fives. Um, the two, well, I guess I'll just go ahead and do, go with the two fives. Um, culture locker room impact, not because he's a bad lo- or not because he has been a bad locker room pre- uh, presence or bad for the culture during his two seasons in OKC, simply because these other guys had a, a more of an impact. You know, Lerner is a very laid back guy, uh, has been very go with the flow, at least during his, like I said, he's definitely not a leader of the team, but he's not a, exactly. Yeah, so I, I'm in the same boat with you. I had him five on culture slash locker room as well. And then fan favorite, basically for that same exact reason. Um, everybody yeah, loves Nerlens. People don't dislike Nerlens, um, but compared to these other guys, they're much more likable because of their personalities and uh, exactly. performance on four. So. But I'm with you on that. Counting stats, he actually ranked third for me. Nerlens has hey, me too. He's stats. third on counting stats. Third, and I actually had him third in advance as well. Although I think there's probably an argument that could be made that he might be too. But there's another guy who. Uh, oh wow, I have him at four advance. on advanced stats. Oh, but okay. so for for counting stats for Nerlens, six in his career in uh, not in the NBA, his career in Oklahoma City, six point one points, four point five rebounds, 0.7 assists, one point three blocks. Uh, leading all of the candidates, sixty-three percent from the field. That's what blew me away. His yeah, and seventy-three percent from the free throw line. Yep, which are which are really good numbers and fairly limited minutes. Although we've seen those uh, increase, um, and a total of eight hundred and two points over his two seasons in OKC, which for a backup center, especially in this day and age, is not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. Now, so I know that you said you looked at per one hundred possessions and per. Th- 36 minutes yep uh, i actually did not look at those stats and part of my reasoning for that was so per 36 and and per 100 those are good to like one player plays 18 minutes a game the other player plays 21 minutes a game it's not fair across the board yeah yeah but i looked at this as there's probably a reason one player is playing more than the other uh in, in certain circumstances so i omitted the per 36 and the per 100 from my calculation. Okay, interesting. Also, I think so, earlier so, in the podcast... So just, just a different perspective. I think earlier in the podcast, I said per 100 minutes. <laughs> per 100 possessions is what That's a lot of minutes. <laughs> it's a per lot of minutes. Per every two games. <laughs> Very random, uh, 100 minutes. Uh, yeah, that, that wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Um, advanced stats. I had him at four. You had him at three. Uh, PER... Uh, in Oklahoma City of a 20.5, which is which pretty is, good. Again, if the average yeah. PER is 15, he is well above average. And true shooting percentage of 66%. That's pretty That's pretty incredible. Solid. Yeah. Unlimited so, attempts, but nevertheless, that's that's huge. Definitely. I mean, look at look at the shots he gets. Like he he's definitely a role player, but I mean, how many alley-oops does he have this season, you know? Right. Um so Nerland's best offensive win share season in Thunder in his time in the Thunder was a 2.7. Again, for reference, Perks was a 0.0. 
Which is this uh, season. Yeah, and then Nerland's best defensive win shares in a season was 2.5, so only 0.5 below Perkins. Which was last season. Yep, and his best total win shares season was 4.8. Yep. So so pretty good numbers there from Nerland's. His, uh, his highest VORP in Oklahoma City history was a 1.5. So, yeah, I had Nerlens at fourth in advanced stats, and I'll kind of dive into why fourth and not third whenever I get to the person that was in third. Uh, but then I test. I also had Nerlens at number four. Uh, I think he is good. He, I think he jumps out to fans a lot because he gets a lot of blocks and dunks. He gets things that are very loud. It's the quiet things that he struggles with, True. like over-rotating uh, and things of that nature. And, and, again, some of these other guys are just – the Thunder have had some pretty talented centers – so I put him at fourth on eye test, uh, but that's not because he's not good. It's just because there's there's other good players on this list. Yeah, no, that's fair. I I actually bumped him to two overall defensively, which is nothing more than his stats. Um, because I you take into consideration some of these, uh, especially my third, who I had. Uh, I just think of him as a sound defender. And like you said, Nerlens isn't always the best, especially in terms of rotation. Uh, but his switchability, his ability to um, to guard smaller players, I think is huge. And it's just his versatility on defense is what I meant to say. Um, has been huge for this team the past two seasons, really. Definitely. You, you look at his defensive win shares, he's averaging 4.5 defensive win shares during his time with OKC. And I also did go ahead and take into consideration, now granted, again, this is only two seasons worth, like you said, and he's also not getting the minutes some of these other centers got. But a defensive rating over the past two seasons, he's averaged a 100 defensive rating, which was by far the best defensive rating uh, amongst all other centers, again, with the disclaimers that I mentioned a a little bit ago. Um, So because of all these reasons, and just because of his stats, I went ahead and threw him at two overall defensively, even if that may not necessarily be the case, like you said, when it comes to eye test. Nice. I like that. So Nerland's at number four. So, so far, our lists of top five Thunder centers in Oklahoma City Thunder history. We have Kendrick Perkins at five, Nerlens Noel at four, and we've both been spot on. Yep. Uh, so because of those two, I feel like our last three are going to be probably the same as well. But hey, it's okay. Um, before we get to those last three, though, we want to take a quick minute to tell you about betonline.ag. Jacob, at this point, we're, you know, we're two players deep into our top five Thunder centers of all time. I really like to place a bet on your other three. I feel like I have a pretty good idea of who they are. They probably match mine, if we're being honest. BetOnline.ag would be one of those places you probably could do that. If we reach out to them before this podcast, I bet that they would do that just for us. That's how awesome they are. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Are you missing the NFL? I am. I, I miss my Chiefs. Well, no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, which have been uh, pretty interesting with COVID-19 situation going on, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, Taylor, so on to number three on the list of top five Thunder centers. Uh, I'm expecting you to say the name that I have at number three as well, so go ahead and tell us who made uh, your cut at number three. 
my beloved Enos. Enos. Oh, Peter. we're off. Yes. We're different. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, I am too. Um, That's awesome. All right. I have uh, Nick Collison at number oh, three. Oh, man. Oh, I, well, I say that. I mean, I had him at two, but <laughs> I kind of felt like we, we would have him at a. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, culture slash locker room. Uh, I had Collison obviously at number one. Right. Um, I I had for counting stats, Collison is fourth out of five. Advanced stats, Collison is five out of five, and then eye test, he is three out of five, um, averaging out to a three point two five on my scale. Uh, so he got third place. Uh, tell me a little bit about Enes Scanner though. Why you had him at number three? So Enes, and I can dive into this here in a little bit once I get through the categories, but I actually had him first overall in counting stats. Again, he only played, you know, what was it, two seasons? I almost said three, but two seasons in OKC. Um, he, so, you know, you compare that to guys like Steven Adams and Nick Collison. Um, those numbers can be a little skewed. And he also probably didn't play quite as many minutes. Um, but when you look at his counting stats across the board, uh, I was very impressed, especially when you take into consideration something we mentioned earlier, being his shooting percentages. Um, the amount of points he was able to put up, the rebounds he was able to grab on the percentages and the usage that he had on on those teams. Um, for that reason, his counting stats alone made me bump him to one. But his defensive yeah, he, impact... Yeah, he's number one on my counting stats as well. 14.2 okay, points, 8 rebounds, 0.7 assists... 0.4 blocks, 56% from the field, and 80% from the free throw line. Which is, I mean, those are incredible shooting splits. Um, yeah. And then the defensive impact, though, is pretty obvious. You, I looked at his defensive, like I said, the limited defensive stats that we have, and they back this up. But, you know, you can, everybody listening to this knows off the top of their head that follow the thunder, Enos Cantor's going to rank fifth defensively, and he definitely did. Um, advanced stats, I had him at two for the reason that you mentioned, but there was one other player who had better advanced stats in in my opinion, especially, like I said, giving to consideration outside factors like how long he's he's been with the team compared to how long Enos was with the team, etc. cetera. Um, culture locker room impact, I put him at a four above Nerlens. Again, Enos is a super likable guy, and he put a lot of smiles on, on people's faces, and we all love Enos. He still gets standing ovations when he comes back to OKC during the season, but these other three guys, and one of them we already talked about, uh, Kendrick Perkins, and, and I guess you talked about Nick. You have him as your third. Um, for that reason, I put Enos at four because I feel like these other players were more likable, and it probably had a bigger impact on the locker room and, and the Definitely. culture. I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. But I did put him at three on the Thunder fan favorites. Yeah, so for me, Collison at, at number three, uh, I had him number one on culture and locker room. I had him four on counting stats, five on advanced stats, third on eye test. Uh, Collison's numbers, 4.2 points and 5.9 rebounds per game, 1.2 assists, uh, nearly a block a game. Only, oh, sorry, I am I am reading Kendrick Perkins' numbers. I'm sorry. <laughs> 5.9 points, 5.2 rebounds, an assist, half a block, 53% from the field, 72% from the free throw line. Um, and obviously what bumped Nick up a lot is he's Mr. Thunder. You know, if we're talking best centers in Thunder history, Mr. Thunder, the one Thunder player with a retired jersey, has to make the list. The guy that sets the culture, the guy that's been the consistent thing that's always there, who even at an old age, as far as basketball years are concerned, 
um, the Thunder weren't willing to to not sign him. They still brought him back because of the value he had. I mean, and, and what really kind of re-sparked my, my just interest in Nick was a couple weeks ago whenever we rewatched game one of the, the yes. NBA Finals, Thunder versus Heat. Just his defense, his IQ, his passing, all the little things he did. This is your, your quintessential garbage man. Right, he just cleans everything up. He does everything the right way. He's so fundamentally sound. He's, He's such epitome, a high IQ player. The epitome of a glue guy. Exactly, exactly. And so for that, he ranked number three for me. So, so he's my number two, and we'll we'll transition there. You already have ta- uh, kind of touched on the stats, so we'll get away from that for a little bit. I had him fourth overall in counting stats because his counting stats aren't necessarily pretty. Um, they aren't flashy because that's not the player who Nick was. His advanced stats were basically the same. I had him at four. Uh, nothing fancy there, but it d- doesn't really matter because, like you said, what he did, uh, you know, I, I assume you probably have already said this and maybe I forgot, but the eye test, your category on eye test, I, I assume he ranked pretty highly there because, like you said, he's always putting himself in the right position. You know, he was the king of taking charges. He was always getting, you know, bloody noses and, uh, you have bloody foreheads and because he's he's always diving for the ball he's like you said he makes the right play his iq is off the charts and then um for me the reason he bumped up to number two is because i have him second overall and the locker room impact and culture and i i really struggled with this because i wanted to put him one but nick was kind of a lead by example kind of guy which there's nothing wrong with um i'm probably more of that kind of leader myself uh if you ask people who know me i'm not much of a maybe a vocal leader but Kendrick Perkins came in during that time when the team was so young, they kind of lacked direction outside of just let our young guys um, flash their talents and play to the best of their abilities and we'll win game that way, games that way because we're more talented than the other team. And Kendrick came in and really kind of set a tone. Um, he, he really developed a little bit more of a culture around those young guys, which impacted the Thunder down the road even once Perkins was gone when you know Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were leading the team after Perk departed or got traded um, and then you know Russell Westbrook the way he led from that point forward changed because of how Kendrick shaped the locker room so because of that I went ahead and put Kendrick one and that's in that situation or in that category and put uh, Nick two uh, but I do have Nick as the number one fan favorite because he is Mr. Oh, Thunder nice. the jerseys are in the his jersey is in the rafter rafters and um so for that reason i put him at one uh, and that's why he bumped higher i think on my list than yours and i have him as my second uh best thunder center in thunder history nice yeah i mean i i think for culture and locker room making a decision between collison and and perkins is pretty difficult right Right. i think those are two very interchangeable things agreed um i feel like actually on the basketball court as far as basketball skill and smarts Collison was the better player than Perk. Agreed. Um, I feel that maybe as far as impact, especially on toughness, Perk was was more important. Uh, but but I also, and maybe this is biased. You know, the, these lists aren't like scientifically like concocted or whatever. <laughs> the furthest you know? from it, yeah. But but the fact that Collison spent his entire career with one franchise that he he I was like there that. for the long haul that accounts for something. Well, and I, something I was thinking of as we were talking through this though is like. I could. I was just thinking of his time played during OKC, but if I would have taken into consideration that he's still impacting the franchise today um, and the culture today, he still has a role within the organization. 
for that reason, I probably should have bumped him up to first overall in culture locker room impact. It's yeah, it's I mean, and, and again, we we quantify these things differently, right? But, which is fun. That's what makes it fun. But yeah. still, I, that's a, yeah, good point. So who's your um, number two then? My number two is Ennis Cantor. Yep, um, and that is primarily because of the offensive production. Uh, the counting the the stats are nice to Cantor. The B- stats are nice, nice to Cantor because the stat the stats the stats. <laughs> The stats cannot accurately identify the porous defense. Exactly. Now, obviously, Cantor was very good at post defense. He sucked whenever he was put out in space. Uh, he's still not good when he is put out in space. Uh, and, and that's just a flaw he has as a basketball player, and it is what it is. Uh, but the stats are nice to him because stats are so offensively based. Um and I mean, he was he was great. I mean, the Thunder had two starting caliber centers on their team for quite a while, with with the Stash brothers, and so that bumped Ennis Cantor up quite a bit on my list. Um, and also, you know, I, I think there has to be something to be said. He was a situational guy, but in the right situations, he was lethal. I mean, I think back often to that second round series against the Spurs that's in 2016 the Spurs series, yep. when they could play Adams and Cantor together. And that's probably the reason the Thunder won that series, even with Russell Westbrook on their team, with Kevin Durant on their team, with the GOAT Dion Waiters on that team. The GOAT. But they were exactly able right. to win that series probably because they could play both centers in that series. And those guys just freaking ate rebounds for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's that's the other thing. Outside of his his stats is his rebounds and his rebounding percentages are just really off the charts. Especially, again, we're looking at these players' times during uh, their time in OKC, not necessarily their entire careers. But Enos was all over the boards for the Thunder. And just like you said, having a player like that to come off the bench – to give a spark off the bench, to really not lose a step, at least offensively uh, or on the boards when you sit Steven Adams is, was huge for that Thunder team. And um, so, yeah, I'm with you there. But like you said, the, the defensive impact is is terrible. And because of that, um, that really takes him down in the rankings as well. Definitely. So then let's move on. We both have the same number one for top center in Oklahoma City Thunder history. Steven Adams. Steve-O. So, Steven, let's go through where we ranked him in our categories real quick. For culture and locker room, I had him at three. Yep, that's where I had him as well. Okay, counting stats, I had him at two. That's where I had him as well. Advanced stats, I had him as one. That's exactly, I had him there as well. For eye test, I had him at one. Okay, and see, for defensive impact, which is very similar to your eye test, but also I took into consideration some of the defensive stats. Steven was... Not, I shouldn't say hands down, um, because Nerlens, like I said, has some pretty good defensive stats, regardless of how limited they are. But defensive impact, just things that Steven does on the court, the communication aspect, and I, the defensive anchor, essentially, is why I had Steven at number one defensive impact. And then fan favorite ranking, I ranked him two behind Nick Collison. Fair, definitely fair. Uh, so Steven's numbers in his career in OKC, 9.8 points per game. Uh, that's second only to Cantor. Rebounds, 7.6 per game. That's only second to Cantor. Assists, 1.2 per game. That's tied with Kendrick Perkins. Blocks, one a game. That's behind second only behind Nerlens. Field goal percentage, 59%. That's only behind Nerlens. That's so solid, too, especially yep. given the um, amount of minutes he's played. The one eyesore is the free throw percentage at 56%. He is the, the worst of the five. 
Uh, player efficiency rating, Steven is at a 17.2. Uh, offensive win shares, he is high, or sorry, for, for season with the best offensive win share. Because again, offensive win shares, like when you look at the totals, it, it adds them up rather than gives you an average. Oh, yeah, so, true. So point. Steve's offensive win shares, his best season in the Thunder, 6.7. Uh, next closest is Nick Collison, our 3.2. Yep. Uh, defensive win shares, his best season, he was a 4.0. That was last uh, year. Kind of interesting. First, first uh, the second place guy was only at 2.5, which was Nerlens. Uh Total win shares, a 9.7 is by far number one. And Vorp at a 2.1 is by far first of all five of these guys. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I, I was going to say his Vorp stood out to me uh, the most. And I guess we didn't do this at the beginning of the podcast, but um, Vorp value over replacement player, basically in a nutshell, I'm not going to read this verbatim, but essentially it, how much better is this player compared to the average NBA player essentially. And um, Steven is, has a great Vorp score, um, especially for a center and a true center in in this day and age of the NBA. But another stat that stood out to me as well, his true shooting percentage that he's averaged for his entire career. um, Obviously he's played his entire career in OKC, 59.6%, 59.6%, almost 60% true shooting percentage from the field. So when Steven does shoot in his sometimes limited attempts, he's not likely to miss. Um, so as we have said often on this podcast over the past couple of seasons, beat Steven more. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> when I look at Steven, I look at these other four that are on our list. Steve has the toughness of Perk. He's got the IQ of Collison, and he's got the rebounding prowess of Ennis Cantor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of like if you take the best three things from three guys on this list, uh, Steve possesses those qualities. I love that. You know, and and he was brought up in the NBA under the wing of Perkins and Collison. Exactly. And then played with and was good friends with Enos, uh, battled against him often in practices. Uh, They were good friends, but they did, you know, Enos has talked often about his battles with Steven Adams on the practice court and even just, you know, them individually, their individual workouts they would do together. Um, and, and so I think Steven definitely learned some things from Enos as well and definitely vice versa. But you're right. It's really interesting that you can see certain aspects of three of these centers games in Steven's and uh, Steven. And it also will be interesting to see Nerlens moving forward in his career. Um, what aspects of Steven's game? does he pick up as he continues yeah. to advance throughout his career? You know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. And, and Adams is so incredibly intelligent. Uh, a lot of the smart, like a lot of people thought Collison was smart because he was good at that backdoor pass, which rightfully so. Right. But just the, the simple thing Steven does, the, the rub screens, the, the screen assists, the positioning his body, uh, offensively to a, that doesn't count for a screen, doesn't show up in any sort of, box score or anything but allows a guy to get an easy shot right uh the way he runs the floor his positioning defensively you ever listen to him talk post game uh, and break a play down and and talk i mean that's that's the the other thing his his the intricacies yeah he's he's so so smart of a of a basketball player the the way he studies the game he's very analytically driven that's what i was about to say his analytics just the yeah, fact that he's able he's, to remember a play, he's processing it in his head. And then, you know, we talk about Chris Paul being uh, analytical in the sense that it feels like, you know, especially this season, the first three quarters of the game, or at least the first two and a half quarters, he's letting the game come to him. He's taking yeah. it in. He's analyzing it. Fourth quarter, he's exploiting all the weaknesses of the defense. Yeah, and for, for Chris Paul, um, and, and not to get too off track with our centers here, but for Chris Paul, it's like quarters one through three is just inputting data. 
Right. He's just plugging all the data into his head. And then in between the third and the fourth quarter, like he hits process. compute. compute. And, yeah. and it processes all the data and it spits it out. And he says, oh, got it. And then yeah. he just goes out in the fourth quarter and murders and can't everybody. can't be stopped, which is awesome. Yeah. But Steven kind of does that on a play-by-play basis. You know, he's he's taking those plays into consideration as he's jogging down the, the down to the floor. And the next possession, you see him adjust. And it doesn't mean he's going to be perfect, you know, obviously, or he's going to adjust after every single play. But like you said, he's just he's so sound and so Yeah, and he can diagnose things so quickly. Right. I mean, you hear him all the time on the court. If, if his man's coming up to set a screen, push, 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 ball's going to swing, rotate, fall his back. Like and that's why, his communication, yeah. his ability to diagnose what's coming, uh, to know when to hedge, when to sink. I think it was last season. Remember last season, all those steals he had yep. because he would get up or in the pick deflections. and roll and then he would just get his hands down so far to the ground because he knew that bounce pocket pass was coming. He could break it up. Just an incredibly intelligent basketball player who was so team-driven and team-first. There's not a selfish bone in that guy's body. Exactly. exactly. And that's why he fits if, on just I, about I any honestly feel like this Thunder team. With how big and strong and smart Steven is, if he had the mindset of like, Kendrick? I don't know, just, just any other center in the league, he would be like, imagine all the skill and the size and the ability that Steven Adams has. With the mentality of like Whiteside? That, dude, that's exactly who I was going to say. Hassan Whiteside. Steven could Steven could be a 16 and 16 a night kind of guy. I was going to say, yeah, maybe even like eh, 20 and 10 might be pushing it, but you're exactly right. I mean, he, he would be insane. He would be incredible, you know? But that's just not but his personality. He, he, yeah. Instead, yeah, instead he does things like um, allow the ball to switch sides of the court and then pin his man in a post-up to allow his guard to go by uncontested for a layup. Boxing right? out. Um, yeah, boxing like, like out. a pre, yeah, like a pre-box out so his guy can get exactly. an open shot. That's right. not showing up on any sort of stat sheet, but Steven just directly caused two points. Well, I was even going to say just knowing the strengths of his team and using that to their advantage um, or putting himself in position to use those advantages. So the best example of this is something us Thunder fans have harped on forever and uh, defended forever. Steven didn't, Steven did let Russell Westbrook get rebounds, but not because Russell Westbrook wanted them for his stats. Although maybe that was a little bit of it, but <laughs> it was mainly start the fast break. Exactly. Because that's when the Thunder were at their best. Those during those seasons is when Russ and the Thunder were pushing the ball in transition. And so he was able to box out those uh, offensive players, let, Russ get the rebound and just immediately take it into transition because that's a heck of a lot quicker than Steven grabbing the board and kicking it out to a point guard, finding the point guard, kicking it out to the point guard, then trying to run in transition. Although yeah. this year, we've, we've seen him make some of those, I think it's, it, it's worth pointing out, some of these incredible passes. Yeah, these full court passes. I, it, they aren't anomalies anymore. Hey, the, we might need to be worried. The NFL draft is soon. Yeah, no kidding. He might be like the first quarterback taken off the board. <laughs> Uh, um, all right, Taylor. Well, we've gone through our top five, but just so uh, everyone is clear on, on who we picked, will you run us down five through one on your list, please? Yes. So five, I had Kendrick Perkins. Um, four, I had Enos Cantor. Wait, sorry. I'm, I exited out, so I'm trying to remember. Five, I had Nerlens Noel. Five, I had Kendrick Perkins. Jesus four, Christ, I, Taylor. <laughs> four, I had Nerlens Noel. Three, I had Enos Cantor. Two, I had Nick Carlson. And one, I had um, Stephen Adams. Very good. Mine was five Perkins, four Nerlens Noel, three Nick Collison, two Ennis Cantor, and number one center in Thunder history, 
Steven Adams. Love it. I'm getting awesome. really excited. Like I, I mentioned this, I, I, we have a little bit of time. So I'll spitball here for a second, but um, something I mentioned to you, Jacob, before we jumped on to podcast was like, I didn't realize how much research I was going to do beforehand um, into this. Kind of get down the rabbit hole. It, you do. And it was really fun. And honestly, it got me even more excited. You know, center was a really fun position to do, uh, especially these five players and comparing them against one another in these different categories. But thinking ahead to like small forward with Kevin Durant and Paul George and um, especially point guard, that's going to be a blast. Point guard's going to be a blast. I'm going to have fun with power forwards. We've got Serge yeah. Ibaka, Danilo Gallinari, Jeremy Grant. Serge Ibaka. Oh, wait, you said Serge. Um, I started saying, yeah. yeah. Jeremy, but, yeah. And I mean, you could put Mello. Jeff Green in that list. Mello. God, it's going to be a fun list, man. It's going to be a fun list. Be a lot so of fun. make sure you guys tune in. Next, the same podcast, so the Thursday night slash Friday morning podcast next week will be us on again next week doing top five power forwards. We'll continue this for the next five weeks until we get through point guards. Five weeks from now, Taylor, that puts us at the end of May. We might be talking about basketball starting. We might be talking about a a little mini training camp before they restart the NBA season at that point. So fingers crossed for that. Um, And we'll go ahead and get you guys out of here. Be sure to plug, be sure to plug our podcast from uh, yesterday. Oh yeah. We, we dropped an awesome podcast uh, with guests from bleacher report and blue wire, Jonathan Wasserman. He is the head uh, host of the lottery podcast. He is also the the lead writer for the draft for Bleacher Report. Drop some awesome, awesome knowledge about the 2020 draft. Uh, Thunder play, players the Thunder might target. Uh, an awesome Stan Van Gundy story in there. So make sure you go and download that one if you have not already. If you are not a subscriber to our podcast, we would love it if you changed that. You can subscribe to us anywhere you get your pods. That way they download immediately once we drop them so you guys can have them in your feed and have them ready to go. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much. If you're a returning listener, we appreciate the hell out of you. We hope that you guys are healthy and safe. Make sure to keep washing your hands. Social distancing is working. Keep it up. We might have basketball back soon because we've been doing such a good job. Don't have mess a it great, up. Yeah, have a great, great, great weekend. We will be back with you again Sunday night with a full group podcast. We'll talk to you then. Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details.